Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio by Rashpixel.fm, the podcast that shows do-gooders, nonprofits, and businesses how to build win-win partnerships that raise money and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by the Cause Marketing Forum and Selfish Giving. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at CauseUpdate.com and SelfishGiving.com. Now on to today's episode. Hey everyone, Joe Waters here at Cause Talk Radio. I want to welcome you to another episode. And on the line with me, of course, is Megan Strand. Hey, Megan. Hey, Joe. How you doing? I'm awesome. I know. Wasn't it great seeing each other at Cause Marketing Forum? Well, I know. It was so fun. Thanks to all of you who were there in the audience and gave us a little shout out when we got yeah. to do our Cause Talk luncheon intro. That was fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And, you know, I did a bunch of presentations there. People can find wrap ups and pictures and Facebook Live interviews on my blog, Selfish Giving. So I hope you'll check that out. I know you got a bunch of stuff too in terms of listings of Halo Award winners over at Cause Marketing Forum, right, Megan? We do, we do. And we've got a lot of other stuff coming out too. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, that'd be good. But in the meantime, coming off Cause Marketing Forum where people are saying, Joe, give me the advice I need to be successful with uh, nonprofit, for-profit partnerships and cause marketing. And the biggest thing I tell people, Megan, is it comes down to three things, brand 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 and on the line with us now is a branding expert julie cotino is founder and ceo at brand twist she also is the creator of brand school online which teaches nonprofits, startups and businesses how to create powerful brands hey julie what's happening Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for joining us. And we found out before the show that even though you're in New York now, you are a Massachusetts native. Born and bred and always in my heart. That's right. So that but makes there's something missing from Julie she, that you have, yeah, Joe. That's right. Yeah. That I mean, she, she doesn't have the accent. It's, I know. You know. I mean, I think it's because she's from the North Shore and that's kind of like hoity-toity, you know? It's so, not I mean, part of her brand, Joe. Yeah, it part, is of her brand. part of her brand. That's right. That's right. Whereas it's like the only thing I have going with my brand, right? It's it's your twist. It's my twist. That's right. Yeah, my twist. A couple of uh, beers, it comes out. And and we should definitely mention, Julie, that you have a new best-selling book out called Twist, How Fresh Perspectives Build Breakthrough Brands. Uh, So thanks so much for joining us. One of the things I like to talk about first is like, how did you get into this whole field of branding and where does the interest come from in nonprofits and small business and startups and helping them with their brand? Yeah. I mean, I always um, had been interested in marketing from a, a very young age. Actually, it's a story I, I tell in the book. Uh, my brother was uh, allergic to pets and my parents wouldn't let me have a pet. So being you know eight years old, I didn't take no for an answer. I went in my garden, put a, put a rock in a cool whip container, poked some holes in the top of the rock, and I invented, uh, I'm the unofficial inventor of the pet rock. <laughs> so two years later in San Francisco, Gary Dahl, an advertising copywriter, invented the official pet rock and made millions of dollars. But, you know, in, in my defense, I was eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from that time onward, I was always interested in how you can solve problems, you know, meet meet people's needs. Mm-hmm. Through, through products and services and branding and marketing is all wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. And what's your background, Julie? What were you doing before you decided to write a best-selling book? And it supposedly invented the pet rock. And supposedly invented <laughs> <laughs> Well, I went to University of Pennsylvania and majored in communications, and then I worked in advertising and uh, actually worked uh, three years for gray advertising in France, which is why I got this cool. heart last name and brought home a 
five foot eight uh, handsome husband and, uh, <laughs> 20, 20 years and two kids later uh, so I went from advertising to branding with interbrand and then I I got a call from Richard Branson at Virgin and you know I just I just said yes you know didn't even say like what's the job <laughs> you yep. know yep. what are you what are you going to be doing I said yes when mm-hmm. uh, and so I started working at Virgin Management which is a small sort of corporate office of Virgin, although nothing's really corporate at Virgin, um, helping develop new Virgin companies. And I was working with all these entrepreneurs, and I kind of saw how difficult it was uh, to break through in a market. I mean, even though Virgin's a large company, it acts like a bunch of startups. And they're very committed also through Virgin Unite to nonprofit causes. And I just saw the passion of the entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So I said to my husband, uh, you know, I said, Richard's uh, catchphrase, which is, uh, screw it, let's do it. <laughs> screw it, let's do it. I'm going to quit my wonderful corporate job and start my own brand consultancy and brand school. And my husband said, I don't, I don't think that's what that phrase means. <laughs> 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 we have two children to put through college uh, but I had the bug hmm. and uh, I said, you know, I, I want to create something of value and I want to help people. So what types of brands are you working with now? And what do you, when they come to you, what is the most common challenge they all share? Yeah, well, with my brand school online, I work with non-for-profits, small businesses and entrepreneurs. And I think the biggest challenge is breaking through. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of, when they start their business or they start their nonprofit, they have a lot of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And that lasts for a certain amount of time. But then it becomes clear that you got to get more people into the marketing funnel, you know, more donors, more volunteers, uh, more sponsors, more business partners. And to do that, I think you need a stronger brand. Julie, how do you define a brand? What's that mean for you? That's the worst used word, I think, in the market. <laughs> Glad that you asked. You know, for me, your brand is really your story. Mm-hmm. It's fundamentally who you want to tell the story to and what's unique about you. What's your twist? Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit more about the twist because your whole book you know, every chapter two emphasizes the twist and how important is that to nonprofits and businesses that want to build their brands? It's the absolutely most important thing Mm. because there's so much noise out there. You know, there's so many different nonprofits in every category. And I got to say, I think it's become even harder to be a nonprofit these days because it's not just about, you know, if you're a cancer nonprofit, for example, you're not just you know, competing for share of mind and wallet with the other cancer nonprofits. Now there's GoFundMe pages, there's individuals, you know, asking for support on social media, friends and friends of friends. And so it's just become so fragmented. So your twist is really what's different about you. You know, we we think about a twist like a a twist of lemon or a plot twist. It's something fresh, something different. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, um, maybe an example of this is, you know, even a couple of weeks ago, we had Walgreens on, Julie, and they were talking about the support of a charity from the UK called Red Nose Day. And, uh, you know, this was something that was different for their brand uh, in terms of embracing something that was fun and interesting and selling big red noses at the register. Is that example of a company that has a twist? It's a great example. And what I love about that example, I actually bought one for my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all did. You know, they yeah, ended exactly. up, they, they, what was it, Megan? They ended up selling like 18 million noses or something like that? They raised $18 million in sales wow. of things like red noses, but I don't know how many noses they sold. Wow. What's perfect about that is it is so visual. Mm-hmm. And I think owning a visual twist, you know, owning that red nose, you know, for my for my brand, I own the color purple. That's mm-hmm. what I wear. Right. I'm in yep. purple office right now. My cover of my book is three shades of purple. But what was brilliant about Walgreens is it was a twist. It was something fun, something different. And they really backed it up with this tangible object that people then wanted to take pictures of. Uh, look how cute I am in the red nose, or here's me and my friends or my family in the red nose. And then what did they do with those pictures? They posted them on social media, and then you're creating more of a viral component. So your twist is literally going across the world. So when you're talking about a brand twist, is that something that is kind of your signature forever and ever, amen? Or is it, you know, one campaign to the next, you need to twist and do something a little bit different? I think your your brand twist is fundamental, but the way you express it over time can and should change. So if I think about you know, Starbucks, for example, uh, I think that their twist is that they are about community, not mm-hmm. coffee. Right. Right. Mm. Uh, you know, if you look at Consumer Reports studies, the brand with the best tasting coffee when they do blind taste tests is actually McDonald's. But, you know, a lot of people aren't saying to a prospective you know, employee or business contact, you know, meet me at McDonald's. Let's have a meeting or you're not probably hanging out many hours at McDonald's. Um, so Howard Schultz really knew that his brand isn't about coffee. It's about the sense of community. Mm. And then they express that twist can and should change over time. But, you know, fundamentally with the leather chairs and the free Wi-Fi and just creating a whole world. You know, you can't order a tall. I mean, you can't order a large there. You have to say tall. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that brilliant too, when you think about it too, because in a lot of ways you think sometimes that would just confuse people and that's not what you want, but that became such a signature part of the experiences that you had to order a tall, a grande or a venti. Right. From a barista, Mm -hmm. which became mainstream with Mm -hmm. a green And, you know, it might confuse or turn off some people, but I think that's a really important part of branding and particularly branding for nonprofits is everybody is not your target. Mm -hmm. You know, strong brands have a very clear idea of who their bullseye target is. Mm -hmm. When I was the VP of brand for Virgin, we would get mostly 99%, you know, tweets and uh, Facebook posts and, and emails that were in love with the brand. But that 1%, because Virgin is kind of cheeky and a little bit out there, says some stuff that's not very mainstream, that 1% would be people who were turned off by the brand. And we would say, you know what, good, because if it's not for you, there are plenty of other choices. And it's better that you find this out early because you don't want to spend six hours in an airplane that has a bar and a disco ball and, you know, has 
a fun entertainment, you know, so I think you can use your brand as a filter also to say, to say no. And I think that's something that non-for-profits struggle with because they, they don't want to turn anybody away. Very consensus focused. But the danger in that is you have messaging on your website or in your programs that has no twist, that is really bland. And then you don't connect with anybody. Mm -hmm. Or you connect with people, a lot of people in a very minimum way that doesn't lead to anything. And, you know, it's interesting you should mention this, too, uh, because we have been talking to more nonprofits and businesses, too, that are looking for more and more ways to, for their cause programs to stand out, for them to really be signature programs, whether there's something different like White Castle's candle that smells like hamburgers and onions or, you know, the retailers that engage their employees in interesting ways like wearing special garments or costumes or what have you, uh, but, you know, anything to kind of stand out and change the experience for customers and employees. Yeah. And that's really the second definition of the twist. You know, the first is something fresh, but the second is how do you find it? And you find it by going outside of your category mm-hmm. and looking for brands that inspire you. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you don't pay attention to all the other nonprofits directly in your sector, because frankly, if I took you know, five cancer nonprofits and printed out their web pages and crossed out the logos, it might be really hard to tell who was who. Right. Mm. Yeah. So, it's, yeah. It's so true. You know, even two years later, I think it's really interesting, Julie and Megan, that people are still talking about the ice bucket challenge as if the goal of that is to somehow replicate either the ice bucket challenge or something very similar to that. And my message back is, that's not the larger lessening of the Ice Bucket Challenge. It's the creativity and the spontaneity and the, the virility that went into it. Yeah, and that's a great example of a twist. And, you know, here's here's an example that you could take for the for-profit world, but a brand, you know, that people are always talking about a touch point is Snapple. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you screw off the top of the Snapple, there's a message under the cap. Yep. That's a wonderful moment of surprise and delight. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of nonprofits spend a lot of money on mailers. You know, why not, when I open the flap of the mailer, um, give me some sort of surprise and delight message? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the way that you could take a brand that you admire and twist their best practices with your own. So in the case of the ice bucket challenge, I think we all kind of know what happened with that. It was this amazing twist, Mm -hmm. did a great job. And then the next year it was a giant disaster because they tried to replicate it exactly. So Julie, what, what advice would you have if they were one of your clients knowing full well that they had the capacity to, to pull this off? But like, what, what do you do after you have a great twist, but then, you know, you you twist your ankle instead of (laughs) moving forward. Yeah, I would unpack what, you know, what was really working for people about the ice bucket. And I think it was, you know, the kind of sobering up of that, you know, the realization that, um, you know, you've got five seconds of of discomfort, um, but it's bringing your attention to people who are living, you know, lifetimes of, of you know, real discomfort. And so... I think there could be other ways to to express that, to to use immediacy, something tactile, something visual, um, and just to, you know figure out how uh, how could it be applied to a different situation. But I wouldn't give up. Yeah, uh, I think I think it really, I think it changed the way. I think it fundamentally changed the way people talk about causes and the way things that can go viral. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think they're going to be 
benefiting from that yeah. from a from a long time. And I think there was some spark. Well, actually, I, I I saw a piece about the authenticity of the gentleman who first started it. You mm-hmm. know, it was sort of something that was done very spontaneously. And so I would look back into their own brand stories of their community. Are there other actions that have been taken? Every any other moments of real authenticity that could be the germ of or the spark of of something new. Yeah. And you know what we learned, I think, so much from something like that from a branding perspective too, is there's nothing wrong with putting your cause in the hands of people who really care about it, that it doesn't always need to be organizational driven. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot more too, is that ordinary people, thanks to social networks and mobile and technology in general, have the ability to communicate with people in a much broader sense and to represent causes perhaps in a much better way than organizations can. Uh, because, you know, they have the connection, they have the flexibility, and, uh, you know, they inject humor and all these other things that get people connected with it that organizations just lack. Uh, but a lot of organizations just don't have that faith in people that they feel like they can turn over the keys to them. I think we realize, you know, brands, you asked me a definition of brand, mm. you know, besides being a story, I think it's a relationship. And, you know, as I tell my college-age daughter, you know, the best relationships are reciprocal, right? And so I think that you, you know, you need to have a certain faith that if you put out something of value, of interest, that you're genuinely passionate about, that uh, the value in, in letting your constituents become part of the story far outweighs, you know, any damage they're going to do to the brand. Mm. And I also think it's okay to fail. You know, I, yeah. I, I, you know, that was one of the lessons that I learned from from Richard Branson and Virgin. You know, we used to talk about failing harder. You know, you learn a lot through failure, and so if you do it one year and it works great, the next year if it if it doesn't work, um, just learn from it and move on. But don't let that paralyze you. Well, what else would you say to nonprofits? You, your first piece of advice was don't look to another other nonprofits. Look to the brands that you admire outside of your industry. What other advice do you, or things do you think are unique for nonprofits as they're trying to tell their brand story? I think nonprofits are very consensus focused. And I think because of that, they end up trying to be too many things to too many people and do too many initiatives. Um, when I have a nonprofit and brand school, the first thing I do is look at their website, and usually it's a laundry list of different, uh, you know, different things that they're supporting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes literally listed as bullet points. Yep. That can become very overwhelming, especially when you're competing for share of mind, and you don't have a lot of time and you don't have a lot of money. So one of the things that I talk about in the book is using your brand and your brand twist as a decision-making filter mm-hmm. and use it to say no. You know, these are the th- we're we're creating a story, we're creating a relationship. These are the handful of initiatives that are going to help us help people make sense of who we are, what we stand for, who we want to help. And there might be lots of other good ideas that are out there. Um, you know, I was talking to a library the other day and they said that, uh, they have so many initiatives, a, a lot of public library in Kentucky, and there's a big push to start to be a food bank mm-hmm. as well, you know, to make that part of their, their overall story. And he said, you know, but we're not a food bank. Like mm-hmm. we're never going to be the best food bank. <laughs> you know, people come to the library for knowledge, for community, for connection. That's what we should focus on. Mm-hmm. Somebody has a great idea, and unfortunately, sometimes it's a 
big donor or board member and says, you know, we should start doing a food drive, you have to use your brand twist to say, well, that doesn't really fit. That's great. Somebody else should do that. We can support them, but we're not going to start that initiative because we already don't have enough, you know, resource to do the things that we, that are at the core of our brand really Mm -hmm. well. Yeah, and I think that what's so critical about what you're saying too, Julie, is that how important it is to to lead with a Vanguard message. There, you know, you have something that's out front that's like, look, this is what we're all about, and and I definitely see that with nonprofits and businesses too. Is they're leading with too many messages instead of, and you know, they feel like something's going to be left on the table. And the point is, though, is that when they lead with one powerful thing, it allows them once they have people attracted to that to educate them and inform them and persuade them on all the other other things they do. Exactly. I always say branding is like an onion. You know, you mm-hmm. just got to get people to remove the first level, the first layer. You know, you don't you don't need to, you know, or another food analogy is I think a lot of branding is like throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing mm-hmm. what sticks. You know, that's not the way to do it. Uh, it's it takes up too much energy internally and you're just going to confuse somebody and they're going to move on to the next cause that they understand better. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, Julie, from a branding perspective in terms of looking ahead to like organizations, do you think like nonprofits and small bu- businesses that they're going to get this message and be kind of more hyper focused on the things that really matter or the things that really resonate with their audience? Or do you think the future of organizations is, you know, kind of like the way it is now, a few organizations kind of spiking and making a difference, but most organizations not? No, I, I think it's a great time to be a nonprofit or a small business because yeah. we have uh, so much opportunity uh, because you don't need to buy a million-dollar television commercial anymore. Mm-hmm. You can use social media and grassroots. You can galvanize people. You know, I think there's, a, there's really a move towards hyper-localism. You know, mm-hmm. even if I look at the farmers markets, you know, it's a trend that we've been following at brand school is how many of them are popping up and how much people want to do some good, particularly locally in their own community. Uh, so a combination of people being ripe for change, ready to get involved and the tools, you know, free quote unquote tools of social media, I think makes it a great time if done right to be a nonprofit. We are definitely all in the branding business these days. That's for sure. And we have the ability more than ever to do it, Julie. Yeah, but we have to do it on a deep, authentic level. And that's, you know, my, my next piece of advice is, you know, making sure your nonprofit really walks the talk Mm -hmm. of your twist. So not just saying we're caring people or we're innovative or we're, you know, uh, whatever you stand for actually making sure that people are behaving in that way. And that's why I think it's really important. I have uh, one not-for-profit client that they bring a brand every single weekly staff meeting. Mm -hmm. There's a section on the agenda for their brand. And they don't take for granted that people understand what they stand for. You know, they have new people coming in and leaving all the time. So they make sure that they're always educating on this is how the company, the, the organization was founded. This is our twist. And then let's talk about the behaviors that we're exhibiting that support that twist. And let's talk about some that might be going against it Mm -hmm. that we need to change. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I had one, for example, that was all about teamwork. But when you joined the organization, uh, everybody was sitting in cubicles and there were no name tags on the cubicles. Mm -hmm. 
So on one hand, they were saying they're all about teamwork. On the other hand, it would take somebody, <laughs> you know, 45 days to <laughs> figure out where everybody is. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, kind of put up some barriers because you're more likely to go over to somebody's cube and ask them how their weekend was or talk to them about your new idea when you're not wondering, wait, was it Joe or Jim or Jack? You know, you, mm-hmm. you have your your name right there. And so mm-hmm. that's a great example of, of walking the talk. Right. You know, we run into this problem even with Cause Talk Radio, Julie, because um, Megan thinks the show is about uh, she and I, and it's really about me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I have to like, every week I have to remind her that yeah, I'm, you do the, a good job I'm the star of the show, Julie. <laughs> on that note, yeah, that note, Julie, it's been really fantastic <laughs> having you with us today. And I, we really appreciate you sharing this. Um, I'm sure people are going to want to find out more about you and the book. So how can they do that if they'd like to do that online? Sure. So if they're interested in the book, they can go to the twistbook.com. And there's um, information about it. There's a click through to buy it if they're interested. And there's an opportunity also to talk about their own twist on that page. And if they're interested in having a deeper discussion about whether their nonprofit has a twist or how they could strengthen their twist, they can actually go to brandschoolonline.com. And there's something called a brand health check, which is free. There's an application and they fill out the application and they should make sure that they learned about me through you guys. Cause I'll put it at the very top of the list. And, um, if they're chosen, we'll do a free strategy session with them. Uh, it's not a sales call. It's really just, we'll look at their website ahead of time. We'll give them some advice. I did uh, two last week with two different nonprofits. So very we'd, cool. we'd love to talk to your audience. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great how- opportunity. Yeah. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Um, and we'll include all of that in the show notes as well, uh, which you can find where, Joe? Where can people find you? Well, on? one place you can find him is SelfishGiving.com. Visit me there on Wednesday mornings to see the uh, show and the show notes. Uh, people can also find me on Twitter at Joe Waters. And be sure to check out all those cause marketing pins at Pinterest.com front slash Joe Waters. Where can people find you, Megan? I'm also on Twitter at Megan Strand. And I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF. And you can find show notes, as Joe mentioned, at his website selfishgiving.com or causeupdate.com. And of course, you can find us on iTunes, which is where we want you to subscribe to the podcast or Google Play uh, if you don't happen to be a Mac user or iPhone user. Um, So you don't miss an episode of Cause Talk Radio. And on behalf of Julie and Joe and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode. And we'll talk to you next time.